0: You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. It is an honor to bring the word of the Lord to you. Let's get right into it. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter number six, and I'm going to read at verse number 13, shall we? And I am reading in the New Living Translation, so you'll hear the text with fresh ears. For example... There was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. He received what God had promised. Now, the author of the book of Hebrews will continue. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold it to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. Why? Because they they had a co-signature. Uh, someone greater than them is the guarantor that they will keep their word. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure. Don't you want to be perfectly sure? I want to be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. A promise is given to people who are inclined to believe you. An oath is given to people who are not inclined to believe you. They are inclined to fear that you won't keep your oath. These two things are unchangeable, or as the King James Version says, immutable These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It's against his nature, do you see? It's not an issue of capability. It's an issue of nature. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Uh, I love this passage. Um, Something I enjoy doing, I don't know if you do it, but I want to recommend it to you. Um, you know, we we use a term called meditating upon the word of the Lord. Um, get a passage like this and carry it with you through your day. <clears throat> uh, sometimes if you don't have uh, enough time in the morning to do your normal devotion, say, and you need to grab something and carry it with you, uh, take a passage um, and carry it with you. Now, you don't have to memorize it, although it's awesome if you do, but you need to carry the essence of it with you through the rest of of your day, that will allow you to meditate, meditate upon it. Now, we are living in a troubled time. Uh, Much has been said about this. I don't want to belabor it by uh, going, spending time on that. I just want us all to confess we are living in a troubled time. Um, Every day we're wondering which chapter of the book of Revelations we are living in. Um, It's easy for us to. Carry uh, unspoken anxiety within us, and it's not something we even confess to. And sometimes it takes us a while to acknowledge that we're living with it. Um, but I, some of my, some of the people I know that are strong people of faith, they are. Uh, I will talk to them, and they will occasionally uh, confess to this: the, the the worry, the anxiety, the fear. This is a very difficult and troubled time, and. When we begin to think about the nature of Abraham showing us a path of faith, he becomes our father, uh, In he blazes the trail, and we learn from looking at his life, and he, uh, what was God looking for when he, when he found Abraham? Now, if you've studied this, you, there's obviously several things. Uh, that you probably have thought about and heard. The first, obviously, is faith. Uh, Abraham was able to actually believe the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to him, and Abraham was willing and able. He had both the faith and the strength of will to change the whole of his life. Um, And he turned away from the familiar, and he walked by faith, pursuing the almost uh, mystical promise of God. Without scripture, without uh, teacher of righteousness, at least not until he met Melchizedek. Um, you get the idea. That's the first necessity that's in his his life. You'll you'll also find passages referring to his hope. He he had hope in the promises of God. Um, faith, for my way of thinking, um, hope is a step in a different direction than faith. Faith can be an. Uh, uh, the kind of thing you experience when you are convinced of something. Um, hope can be the kind of thing you experience when you're you're just holding on. <laughs> you're not saying, I know it's true. You're saying, I hope it is true. We as believers have to understand both because the rea- the reality of our lives is we will experience both. There will be days when we're absolutely convinced that... <laughs> We're just taking over everything, hallelujah. And then there's days where we're just like, my goodness, if I just can make it to Sunday. You understand what I'm saying. Uh, Abraham lived both of of those things. And we as believers must found our lives upon faith. We must found our lives upon hope with the slight shades of different feeling uh, in those two two different words. And so uh, I... I want to point out a couple things in this passage that, if you were to just put it in your pocket and carry it with you, uh, you would probably find yourself reflecting upon as you as you did so. Um, the first thing I think that is most uh, profound about the passage, and it's particularly hammered down when you read it in the King James version, where uh, it is given to us as two immutable truths. Let me read it, verse 17 in King James. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability uh, of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things. Now, uh, immutability has uh, uh, a way of interpreting it to think think in terms of something that cannot be silenced it cannot be silenced. And it's also correct to see it in the terms of things, something that cannot be changed. And so God's promise to Abraham is the same promise that is to the children of Abraham. And it is based upon two immutable things, things that cannot be silenced and things that cannot be changed. The first of them is the very nature of God. God cannot lie. He has no need to lie because he is an infinite being. Um, Why do people lie? It's because they want to offer something they cannot deliver. That's what a lie is. You offer something that you cannot deliver. Why can't you deliver it? Well, you don't have it. You pretended you had it, but when it came down to it, you don't have it. So a lie of some type is birthed. God as an infinite being has no need to lie because it would be just as easy for him to do what he said he would do as it, as it would be not to do it. It's, he is infinite in, in his essence and in his being. And so if either one um, is of the equal difficulty, you just revert to your nature. It's impossible for God to lie. But just in case you were ins- unsure that he would keep what he said, He looked around to see if there was anybody he could swear by who had better credit than his. Uh, Is there somebody who could co-sign his loan to reassure you? And having surveyed the heavens and the earth, there was none greater than him. There was no one with better credit than him. So he said, well, I'm just going to sign both of the dotted lines of this deal. (laughs) I'm going to sign it first as a promise. And I'm going to sign it second as an oath. And by these two unchangeable, uh, impossible to silence truths or acts or demonstrations, we have hope in the promises of God. Now, back to the subject of why would God look for Abraham? What was in Abraham that God was seeking? Uh, I think this is uh, worthy of exploration because... If you think about it, it'll take you all the way back to Eden and you're left with what was lost in Eden. Obviously, what was lost was fellowship, the ability for Adam and Eve to fellowship with God because sin, rebellion, had removed their place of fellowship. And so I, I, if you think about this very long, you're, you're left with some certain images that are in the text. First of all, what happened to do that? It was the loss of, of, of innocence. So when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they lost innocence. So without, without the knowledge, you're able to stand before God in innocence. Uh, this later will be brought about and talked about a lot in the purpose of the law. And uh, the apostle Paul and the author of the book of Hebrews will talk about this, but we're not going to go into that right now. Um, so they lose innocence and uh, that childlike ability to, to, to be one with God um, is also uh, spoken of in the New Testament as an ideal, uh, something for us to strive towards in our faith and strive towards in our approach and relationship to God, uh, that childlike faith. Um, so that's lost. They lose innocence when they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Um, not the tree of evil. It's not that they're now sinners, even though they are. (laughs) It's that they've lost innocence. Uh, This, um, I know I'm taking a moment here and uh, forgive me for nerding out, but this is why the law is going to be given later and the purpose of the law is going to educate you of what is right and wrong and educate you on why you can never attain divine righteousness again. Thus, you need a Passover lamb. Some good preaching right here. (laughs) You need a Passover lamb, the purpose of the law. So having read the Old Testament, if what you've learned from it um, is that you have to try harder and harder, more strict, more disciplined, more angry, you missed the lesson. There's nothing you can do. What you need is a Passover lamb. And so, all right, back on track, um, chasing rabbits around here. Um, So when that's lost in the the garden uh, of Eden, Uh, This innocence is lost and this ability to have a fellowship uh, uh, with God uh, is lost. And then as we read the early books of the Old Testament, we find this search that God has, this search for people who will know him, um, who he will have a relationship with. And um, he looks for righteous. He looks for faithful. He looks for righteous and he looks for faithful. But even when he finds them, he gives them grace. Noah found not righteousness in the eyes of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Yet there was something in Noah that attracted God to him. Uh, There's something I think helpful in this, um, that God is looking and searching for people he can bless. I hope you let that settle in your spirit. Um, God's looking for people he will bless. I'm going to read this passage again uh, that we're carrying in our pocket tonight, Hebrews 6, verse number um, 13. I'm gonna read it in the King James Version, and I'm going to read what God said about Abraham. Verse 14, saying, Surely blessing I will bless, and multiplying I will multiply thee. I love this. This is God's statement. God's saying, (laughs) blessing, I will bless you. I'm a blesser. Remember, if you remember Sunday's message, what is heaven's why? It's, of course, divine love. That's heaven's uh, why. And so when God says, surely blessing, I will bless, it's almost as though he's saying, (laughs) I'm looking for someone to bless. Wherever you are in your life, I want you to feel the truth of that. God's looking for someone to bless. God's looking for someone to multiply, but it's not simply for the sake of the individual. It's for the sake of the manifestation of God, the revelation of God, the unveiling of his nature and his character to the world. That's why he does it for his name's sake. So blessing is the promise and Abraham holds to that with hope and faith. That is is the promise, and he must hold to it. Why would he both promise and swear? Why would he both promise and swear? Well, it's not going to always look like Abraham is blessed. Abraham needs to have something to hold on to. It's not always going to feel like to Abraham that he is blessed. He needs something to hold on to and God's giving him something because God wants him to hold on. Wherever you are in your life, God wants you to hold on. And so he's doing everything he can so that you will hold on even when it doesn't feel like you're blessed. It's almost as though God says to Abraham, look, sometimes it's gonna look like I've lied to you. I said I'd bless you, but you're not blessed. You're hurting. Sometimes it's going to look like serving me is not working out for you, Abraham. Sometimes it's going to seem like things are going downhill rather than uphill. I want you to hold on. Sometimes it's going to look like the whole roof is falling in, Abraham. I want you to hold on. And I'm going to give you two unsilenceable Two unchangeable things that will help you when it looks like I've lied to you, when it looks like I'm not blessing you, when it feels like you're abandoned. And that is this. First of all, I've promised it to you. It's in my nature to bless you. And second of all, I looked around for someone to co-sign with this promise and there was no one better than me. So I gave it to you not just as a promise. I gave it to you as an oath. And I swore by myself And so this becomes, as it were, what everything God can do to help us to hold on to promise and hold on to presence and believe and claim and speak. Let us be reminded that blessing is on the other side of promise. It's not on this side. Um, When we begin to serve God, sometimes, particularly if we're immature in our faith, we can look at God as a, a blessing system. And the reason why we're serving God is we want to be blessed. And the reason why we're devout is because we want to be blessed. Um, That is on the other side of the promise of holding on to hope. The blessing is on the other side of it. This is is the uh, important reality for us. We're not manipulating God for blessing. We are fulfilling heaven's why. He first loved us and we are responding to that love, not as a manipulation, not as a gamble, but as a act of faith and hope. We are responding to that. Abraham proves his heart to God through his stronghold on faith and his firm grip on hope. He demonstrates that to God and all of the blessings are on the other side of the trial. So let me speak to anyone going through a trial. Remember, God's not going to bless you to manipulate you so you'll hold on. The foxhole prayer (laughs) misses the point. Um, This isn't a bargain. This is a love story. This isn't, you know, the divine poker game and we're bluffing each other. If you're good to me, I'll be good to you. No, this is the divine love story. And so... We stand with the Hebrew children and we say, look, if we perish, we perish, but we will not speak against the promise of our God. It may be good, it may not be good, but we will not speak. This is not a divine bluff. This isn't a heavenly poker game. This is a love story and I commit myself to to the Lord. So uh, that's why, and I'm almost done. That is why so many scriptures, in the word of the Lord are celebrations of hope, not just faith, but hope. Let me start reading some of the beautiful praise uh, praise songs of the Psalms. This is Psalms 39 and seven. And now Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Or how about Psalms 119, 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Or, Psalms 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Um, Psalms 90, uh, excuse me, Psalms 71, 14, but I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Proverbs 13 and 12, hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Lamentations 3 and 21. <clears throat> this I recalled my mind, therefore have I hope. This is what I think about, and this is why I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good for a man. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Or let's hop to the New Testament, Romans 12 and 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Or chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of god and not only so but we re- we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience patience experience and experience hope and Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Oh, I have a few more for you. Romans chapter number eight, verse number 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, we see not then do we with patience wait for it. How about Colossians chapter number one, verse number 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's so much. (laughs) Let's stop there. Lord Jesus, we want to demonstrate We wanna demonstrate our faith and our hope by standing in troubled times and whispering your promises as as almost reassurances deep within ourselves, not just the soul, the spirit side of us, but even when our flesh is is fearful, let us speak the truth of the spirit to the reality of this flesh we live in in this crazy year, 2020, where it seems like one thing after another has fallen apart. Lord Jesus, we speak your promise. We stand in your hope. We glory in your victory. And that hope is going to carry us through the days when we don't feel blessed and through the times when we we don't feel lucky. (laughs) We don't feel... Uh, in any way like uh, we're in some way protected and cared for, we feel alone and and we feel abandoned even. Uh, Lord Jesus, we're going to stand in hope because there are two unchangeable, unsilenceable things that have been given as spiritual gifts to us. The first is your promise. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll be with us until the end of the age, the end of the world, your promise. But further, there is the reassurance where you swore by yourself, your own credit, (laughs) your own promise, your own nature, your own essence. You swore by that as if to say, if I don't keep my word, I'm not who I say I am, but God, You are exactly who you say you are and we glorify you today. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday. It's going to be fantastic. Enjoy your 4th of July. We have a lot to be thankful for. God bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them.